Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, and advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven, where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most. Through all the storms I'm by your side Through days of warmth I'm by your side Like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky I'm by your side Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and my co-host, Sarah Foster. Say hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to season seven, where we are talking about what it means to reconnect um, in general with whatever it is that you need to need to reconnect with in your life, whether it's with yourself, with your relationships, in your marriage. Um, episode one was really all about vision casting the season, but also kind of Sarah did a great job defining what reconnection actually means. It's coming back to something that you've abandoned, you know, a long time ago. And we just know and trust that if you're listening to this, that there is um, something that will wake up within you to help you realize what in your life you need to reconnect to. I mean, there could be some of you out there that you need to reconnect with community. We've lived a very isolated existence for the last two years. And so um, we're going to talk today about what does it mean to reconnect with yourself. But, um, you know, some of you might feel like you listen to this and go, I've been doing the hard work on that. And it might be the opposite. How do I actually reconnect with other people? And so that's definitely something we're also going to cover in the season. So, Welcome to episode two, um, where we really just wanted to explore, like, what does it actually look like? Um, what is the process or the journey that we go through to reconnect with ourselves? Um, I know if you listen to season six, that was a lot of what I kind of talked a lot about after another difficult deployment that was much different than the first deployment that I thought was difficult not that I thought that was difficult, it was difficult, but they were different. And, and so almost recovering from that and then going into, especially the last two years of stress, I really just had to realize there's some things I need to come back home to and myself. And I need to, things were out of balance. Like how do I find enough value in myself to give myself time? And in order to give myself time, I needed to create margin in my day um, in order to take that time and then not feel guilty for it. So we are going to talk about what does it look like, the many different ways of returning to yourself. So Sarah, thank you for joining me again. Um, you were already starting to, before I hit record, you were talking about some of the areas that you have have been working on this as well over the last couple of years. But what would what does it mean to you in general? Um, to return to yourself? Because some people might hear that and go, that sounds really kind of kooky and huh? like new agey and unsafe <laughs> to listen to. And yeah. so, <laughs> well, I probably would have been one of those people, you know, and I think if, again, it's always about define your terms. So if it weren't defined correctly, then I would be kind of like, eh, what are we talking about here? But I would define it as, I mean, you have to have part of maturity is self-awareness. We were talking about mm -hmm. that. Um, probably this summer in just with a couple that we knew that was getting married. And we were concerned because there was really a lack of awareness and a very people pleasing esque about one of the people. And I just thought they're going to drown. Like if they don't, if they're, you know, you can't spoiler alert, if you're a people pleasing person, you're not going to make it like to 40, 50. I don't know, Like you're not going to make it because, and that's recovering myself from that. And self-awareness is it's different and it can be, I guess maybe that can be, or maybe for some of us that have a reservation when we hear that is we've seen it abused. We've seen people in their selfishness, like kind of just take claim mm -hmm. of I'm so much of I'm worth it. And I'm this and they're, they are destructive with it. And, it, and, you know, cause you can use anything and wield it incorrectly. But I think this is more about, um, part of maturing and growing up and being in mature relationships is having an awareness of how to take care of yourself. And we understand that from like a basic need of like, no one tells me anymore when I need to take a shower. 
but like, or they shouldn't, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, um, what do we do like mental health wise? Like why, why do I expect everyone else to just give me what I need? or to tell me what I need, you know? And I think that is even, I know you see it a lot. I saw it even in that time that I accompanied you, you know, you, well, you do it even to me. What do you need? And it's like deer in a headlight. You're like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I need. And that is an indicator that, you know, that something's off in me, like in the sense of that, that I, I need to, how do I lead myself in a conversation in my head to recognize when I need something, just like I can recognize when I, I need water or I need to eat. Um, mm-hmm. what are the mental cues that show me, you know what, I need to not talk to anybody right now. Like, or I need mm-hmm. to, um, take a day, you know, sometimes it's really big things and sometimes it's really small things, but I guess the bigger overarching concept is what are the indicators in my mind and how do I know myself and how do I stop trying to be someone else? Um, mm. you know, because I think like uh, an example with this would be when we were younger, um, we were with a couple and they were kind of like mentors and they were older than us. And, um, my husband and I were like executors and we're like on time kind of people. And they were very like, <laughs> always showed up late, la da da. You just need to let things go. There's perspective there to, um, value. And, and they brought perspective that was good, but I am not them. And so we hosted a party for their son and, um, literally two hours before people were supposed to arrive, we took a trip for, it was like around Christmas time. They were like, let's go ride down to this place. It was like 45 minutes away. We got home with 15 minutes to spare before people were arriving at my house. And I lost my ever loving mind because I'm not that person. <laughs> like, you know, like I had to realize in that mind, like I can value her, like this woman's laid backness and her approach of like, not getting so anxious, but I am more anxious driven. And so therefore I need to give myself time to have guests over. I need a good hour, you know, or I need, that's something that I needed to recognize in myself, not make myself be maybe an admirable quality, but recognize, mm, no, nope, that's not me. And the only way I can seem laid back is if I get like two hours before people arrive. Cause when the little smokies <laughs> go up and smoke, I'm gonna lose my ever loving mind. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Cause I feel frantic. So no, I, I should save this for our talk on like uh, reconnecting with community. Maybe I'll have to bring it up again, but sometimes you don't know where you're at and what you need until something shocks you, you know, in a situation. And then you're like, whoa, I'm having a reaction. And I didn't even know that about myself, you know? So it reminds me of, this was years ago. It it was way before the pandemic of like five years ago or something. And Matt and I were traveling somewhere for an event. And so it was just the two of us. And we were in the airport and we sat at like one of these tables outside. It wasn't like a Starbucks. It was like Pete's coffee or like caribou coffee or something, but it was like this little, little table that seats like two people. Right. And so we had a few minutes and we sat down with our cups of coffee and we were just like, Oh, let's just like sit here for a minute. Next thing you know, this couple strange couple just like pulls two chairs up to this tiny table that we're at and joins us. We, they didn't know us. We didn't know them. And Matt and I, like visually, we probably were like backing up, like what is happening? Like you weren't invited. (laughs) And we were like, and this is going to sound terrible. So put yourself (laughs) in my shoes. But I think one of us, I think it probably was Matt because he, he has empathy number 34 on his <laughs> strength list. So I'm going to blame it on him. But I'm pretty sure he said, I'm sorry, we were sitting here. Like he was trying to set a boundary, you know? And and it was a British couple. And they're like, we know. We just thought we would join you. And it got quiet just like that. And we just didn't know what to do. And at first we were like, oh no, we are wrestling in our spirit. Like this was not what we were prepared to do with our time. Yeah. We kind of just wanted it to be the two of us and kind of isolate and close things off. And here's this random couple that suddenly in their culture, it's, it's great. Like we meet new people and have, you know, enriching conversation. (laughs) And so I think we fumbled on ourselves internally for just a moment. And then I, we were like, I guess we have no choice, but to start a conversation. (laughs) But we started a conversation and it was lovely. Yeah. It was lovely. And we walked away marked by that going, 
wow, like our culture doesn't do that. And yet, what was that thing that was happening within myself? And I need to wrestle with that and Mm -hmm. wrestle with, was it a prideful thing to want that time, just the two of us and to close off the world um, and to kind of push people away? Or was it more of like, no, it's something that we needed. We're just not used to that exchange happening that way. And we kind of needed to push ourselves, like you said in the last episode, taking a risk to like reconnect and do something different. And so I think you're bringing up a really great point of what is this self-awareness thing? And I get that question a lot of, is it prideful for me to want to take care of myself, to value myself again? And when I get that question and I'm working with people, um, especially in sessions, we'll be talking through all these scenarios of why did you sacrifice, let's say, that time for yourself that you could have used it to sit on the front porch, right? Or to go for a walk or whatever it was that you, to read a book, whatever it was that you were thinking about doing for yourself. Why did you make that choice to sacrifice that to fill in the blank? People, please, like you said, do something for someone else. Maybe it was a a more valuable choice to take care of your kids in that moment because they needed you, you know, and you made that choice. But a lot of the phrase that I have used over the last year is really, what does it look like for us to pay attention to where we are abandoning ourselves? And that was a a huge phrase that I actually got from another podcast, but it hit me Mm -hmm. really hard when I heard it because how many times had I been abandoning myself for something else? Yeah. And that's a whole different way of thinking that we make these choices. And as we make these choices, we're saying, what do we value? Do I, do I value what I'm needing most right now and what I need to ask for? Or am I shifting that and saying, no, I, I am valuing my child who's crying right now that needs my attention. And so I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice myself for, to make this better choice mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking like, again, there's no, it's not about abandoning everyone for the sake of yourself. Like, Oh, nope, sorry. I'm not going to abandon myself anymore. So therefore anytime a need presents itself, when I have already purposed in my mind that I need this, I'm going to always choose me, but it's also Mm -hmm. not the inverse of anytime someone is having a crisis, I'm always going to choose that. You know, it's like, you, you've got to figure it out for yourself, but I think the step one is even just knowing yourself, asking yourself those questions. So you're just more equipped and I don't know, just more of a healthy person. For me, a lot of it has been not just recognizing things within myself, but recognizing things in others of like, okay, that's on you. Um, I need help in that. Cause I like my empathy just runs wild in that of like, Mm -hmm. no one's asking me to take on all their stuff, but I am just taking on all their stuff. And then I'm pissed off that I'm managing everybody's emotions when no one asked me to, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. I have to really talk myself up of like, I get that I set a boundary and people are really upset about it. And their upsetness has no reflection on me being selfish. Like I have to talk myself mm-hmm. through that because that is oftentimes while I, I just abandon myself because it's not worth it. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the pushback. It's not worth the inner turmoil that can be in my head. If I allow everybody's disappointment and upset, you know, and I try to pick all that up, well, then I'll just push my stuff aside, you know? So. Oh, so good. In fact, <clears throat> um, that's, I think we, Sarah and I decided that's how we're going to kind of break down this episode is kind of like, walking through like all these different areas to be self-aware in. And and you may listen to some of this and go, I'm doing pretty well in this area, or maybe I need to work on this area over here. And so um, I have to give credit to Sarah on this one because before we hit record, she was like, you know, one of the things that I had to do is is really be more self-aware of what my body was feeling. And this is where it can feel um, when I do the five-minute check-in with people, especially if I'm, you know, in, in a setting where it's, you know, or in a small group and I can do the talking mat where you can actually process things using the five-minute check-in. It's not five minutes when you use it that way, but um, there gets to be a lot of confusion between what's in my thoughts and what's in my emotions and what's in my spirit and what's in my body. And so learning how to kind of pull those apart inside yourself to be able to be aware of, of all these different components of, of 
what, what makes you who you are and how you function throughout the day, right? It just helps you have a little bit more of an understanding of, of sometimes these different pieces of you contrast each other, right? And so you physically can be feeling one way, your thoughts can be telling you, no, you deserve this time. This is something you've needed for a really long time. And yet, like you were saying, your emotions can be pulling you towards something else, right? Um, in fact, it reminds me, so we're going to talk first about like, how do you actually listen to your body? And so your body can be different things. You can actually feel, so that's like number one, let's, let's talk through how do you be more self-aware of what's happening in your body so that you can then come back to yourself. Women, we are, um, unfortunately not trained well within the village of women around us. We're not really trained well on how to embrace our physical body, how to stay in our body, um, how to want to stay in our body because we're kind of trained to think that our body is gross and it's not good enough. And it's, you know, fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are the thoughts that are in our head, but then we use those thoughts in our head to, to make inform opinions about our bodies. And, and men do this too, for sure. Um, but I'm specifically talking about women because, you know, women are, are kind of made to think just socially and developmentally that once you start your period, it's kind of this gross thing. And so you distance yourself from this thing that could be problematic, this thing that you could be teased for, or this thing that could be an accident that embarrasses you, or you just kind of distance your spirit and your mind from your body. And so we're kind of taught that very young. But men definitely also have a hard time sometimes staying in their skin, right? And so, um, but your body can be, it can, reconnecting with your body can be everything from feeling your actual body and what's going on internally in your body. Um, but it's also about, um, to what, to your point that you just said a minute ago, Sarah, is that I just want to acknowledge that empaths, and I think Sarah and I are both empaths. Um, I know she's got empathy in her top five. I have empathy number eight, but all my other strengths are relational. So I am very much affected by the relationships around me. And so I even was sitting across the table from my 14-year-old this weekend who was venting and and he we've been working really hard on communication with him and he did a great job of of saying I just need to vent mm -hmm. like I don't need you to fix anything I just want to get all of this out and so I kind of prepared myself he went into this venting but then the venting turned into let's just it kind of shifted you know from venting to complaining mm -hmm. like we were done venting and now we're just mentioning all the negative things in the world and I had to like when he finished I had to tell him you know, I want to hear you vent. Um, I want to be there for you and I want to listen to you, but I'm an empath and it, it takes a lot of work for me in my mind and in my emotions and even in my body to not absorb all of the energy that's coming out of you and not absorb it like a sea sponge. Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot of control for me. It's not that I'm wanting to fix it, and then, Sarah, I want you to respond because you also have restorative in your top five and restoratives love to fix things. So yes. She's got empathy and restorative. So I want you to respond to that. But I, I just had to, I could have abandoned myself in that situation and say, you know what? My son needs me to just listen to him. And in order to build a relationship with him, I just need to take it. <laughs> well, that would have been abandoning myself because what was actually truthfully happening in my body was that I was absorbing in my effort to build a relationship with him. I was absorbing so much of this negative energy. I felt myself physically wanting to pull away from him to recover. And so I just had to acknowledge that and say, I don't know quite how to do this yet, but I, I want to, I want you to feel like you can vent, but I also want you to know something about me that I can only take so much of the negative energy before I start to like need to back off and recover. <laughs> and that's not what I want our relationship to be about because he immediately was like, well, I'll, I just won't do it again. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not the answer, right? <laughs> I'm telling you this so that you know something about me and so that I can then, so that you understand when I ask you, now that you're done venting, can you share with me some of the positives 
of what happened today, that that will balance that out for me so that I don't absorb just negative energy. So I just want to acknowledge and I know that was a long story, but I just want to acknowledge that when we're coming back into our skin, it is about feeling, you know, our organs and feeling pain in our back and, and acknowledging what our body is actually feeling or feeling anxiety. That's also not always a thought, but I, I want to acknowledge sometimes we are absorbing things around us and it feels very physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with everything that you're saying. I also feel like the restorative and the empath together for me can get like really snowballing. Like, um, you know, an example I would just say of, um, I've utilized Marco Polo, um, talking about last, last episode, we talked about like managing technology. And this is one of those ones that I had to be like, Ooh, like I need to check this because Marco Polo can vary. It's a, in case you don't have it, it's like a, um, how would you describe it? Like a two way talk, it's like a walkie talkie with in video. video form. And so yeah. what it enables you to do is the premise behind it would be, Oh, I can leave this message and catch someone up or ask them some questions. And then it's sitting there waiting for you when you get a chance. That's great. And it's a great way to connect, especially when you're across, you know, the United States. Um, but what it also can breed is intense monologues, intense mm. periods of venting. And so I found myself in all these different groups that oh, admittedly I started, I'm like, Hey, let's get around the group. <laughs> and then I'm like, everybody shut up. Like, because, like <laughs> and, that, and because what I would do is I'd say, Oh, I have a minute to listen to the market. So I'd be out there, you know, throwing the ball for our dog and listening, listening, listening. And what people would shift into is venting, but they would never say they were venting. And that's another thing. If you don't let me know, Hey, I'm just venting. My mind is just absorbing it and going, okay, well, what you need to do is this and not in a judgment way, but like, how can we do this? Okay. I think if you did this, like, and so then you're just like, I just have to listen to 20 minutes of like venting and then go to the next person yeah. and listen to 20 minutes of venting. And it was wrecking me internally. I didn't realize it, but then again, my, uh, the awareness that I've learned to pick up of like what anxiety feels like in your body, because I was in complete, like anxiety denial <laughs> for probably, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not an anxious person. Praise the Lord. Like, you know, like I just, was, <laughs> like, like, I know how to have peace. Like, and I did not like, I know, like I am, I am a, <laughs> But, you know, we label it, Kenny and I label it catastrophizing, which is me spinning, you know, into anxiety. It's like a different word of like, oh, you're catastrophizing there. Like, that's not really going to happen. Like, what you doing? You know, so, so <clears throat> it wasn't until, and it's kind of been a creeping thing, but everything I, I mentioned last uh, podcast that 2021 was a blur. It's because in, despite all the things that were also happening on the outside, the inside, I was very sick that year. And so I don't remember a lot of it because of my own inner turmoil of my body deciding, you know what, we're not going to digest any food. How about that? That sounds like fun. <laughs> like, no, it's, this isn't about not eating a Twinkie. This is that raspberries are bad for you and spinach and like, you know, all these things that like, you're like, what? Like, you know, and so um, trying to find root causes and trying to recognize things and, you know, just this crazy town um, explanation of like, well, anxiety can really trigger this in you. And I'm like, you don't think it's incredibly anxious to be told that you can't even eat a blueberry, <laughs> like, or that you can have five, <laughs> like, you know, here's four foods that well, you can eat. Don't be anxious. And, here's four don't foods. Be anxious. <laughs> well, and to be fair, like you last year were on when I say an all liquid mm -hmm. diet, I'm not talking about like any liquid you want mm -mm. in milkshakes. Like you were on pre-digested. So it, it is what they put in a food bag. Like, so if you were to go and be hospitalized and they had to like intubate you, like, or I think that might be the right word, but when they feed you with a tube, a feeding tube, um, it's that it's pre-digested nutrients that are broken down in their simplest form. So your body doesn't have to do any work. So it's basically like, this keeps you alive. And it takes like birthday cake, which sounds exciting when you drink too. But, but when you drink them for 21 days, you're like, I effing hate birthday cake. Like, I mean, there's just no other <laughs> way to say it. You know? <laughs> so <clears throat> I think like going through all that and trying to recognize, well, what does make me anxious? And, you know, so going back to the Marco of like, Ooh, like I realized I would shut them off and I would just feel my, my new way to describe it is I'm about to rocket through the roof. 
I just feel yeah. so wound up that I could just yeah. ping right through the roof. And so, um, there's a physical component to that. Like my body in its, uh, in its sickness, you were talking about adrenal failure. There's, um, when your digestive system is failing you, you are not excreting your excess est- estrogen, your excess hormones. Um, you're just recycling toxins, your cortisol levels are, you know, all out of whack. And so there is an element of having help in that regard. Um, if, in, as far as like anxiety goes, but I didn't even realize I was anxious until I sat down and realized um, after having babies back to back, I learned to wolf down food, wolf it down. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm starving, but I'm not starving, but I just eat it fast. You know, things like that, Mm -hmm. the the intentional slowing down of asking yourself, again, it comes back to like intentionally slowing down and asking yourself questions. What do I feel like right now? Well, I feel like I'm about to rocket through the, through the roof. Well, that's anxiety, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You got anxiety. (laughs) So what are you going to do about it? What brought it on, you know? So, oh, so good. So good. I, you know, watching you go through all of that is just, was just so hard. And and I don't think that you're necessarily finished on that journey, you know, but no one probably can um, describe how to be more in tune with your body than you or someone who has had to feel their body at any given moment, shift, change, or do something different. Um, I know I watched, you know, Matt um, had a, had hip disease when he was eight years old. Well, before eight years old, but it, it really started to show signs. Basically, his ball and socket joint were turning to mush at eight years old. And um, they had to rebuild his hip around eight. And so he wore like Forrest Gump braces and got teased and just, you know, if you know him now, it's why he is who he is today. And so once they rebuilt his hip, they told him you would never be able to run again, jump, play sports, like none of that, like be careful, like you're breakable basically. (laughs) Um, And that's just apparently not what you tell Matt Weathers. And so he pole vaulted and played football and ran track and then ran two marathons in adulthood. And, you know, we got to about um, six years ago and he knew this whole time that that hip was temporary. Mm-hmm. They rebuilt at eight years old, um, that that was going to be a temporary hip and that at some point he was going to have to have it rebuilt. And so six years ago he did, he went through his hip replacement surgery. But before that, he was in so much pain. And some of you guys listening, maybe you have chronic pain. Maybe your spouse has chronic pain. Maybe you have something else that's going on in your body and you're just very aware and in tune with your body. And, um, I would watch him if he was sitting in any like car, um, in any setting, if he was sitting for longer than 30 minutes, his hip would just lock up and I would just watch him shake, trying to unlock his hip, you know, in so much pain. And he learned so much about himself. Like he learned to be able to listen to his body to go, Hey, I'm starting to feel it tense up. So I need to do something different. I need to get up and stretch or how to manage that pain by listening to what his body was telling him to do. And, um, and we're not doctors. We're not sitting here telling you to take medicine, don't take medicine, do any of that. But what we're asking you to do, I think is just in your own situation to come back in your skin and and maybe pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you. Sometimes there are things that are going on wrong in your body because you're abandoning yourself and not taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. There are um, consequences to choices that you're making that are, that are creating havoc in your body. And, And that requires you going and asking for help. Like coming back to yourself is sometimes saying, you know, I'm going to create margin in my life to get back into doctor's appointments. Right. Right. Last um, season I shared, I had a very brief breast cancer scare and it was nothing compared to what other people have gone through. It was just my first time getting a mammogram. Like I'm old enough to get mammograms. So I'm going to go do my thing. And then it turned into a biopsy and then waiting on results and people acting concerned. And, you know, so you better believe this year when it was time to get that done again, I was like, I am making room for that. Like (laughs) I am not going to wait and let other things other things take precedence. That mm-hmm. is valuing myself and creating margins to, to make sure I get to that appointment. And so sometimes coming back to yourself is about creating the margin that you need to fit yourself back into the schedule or listening to the pain that you're in and choosing to look into whatever you need to look into to start resolving some of that pain. Um, 
But I mean, coming back to something as daily as anxiety in your body to be able to like pause for a second. And I could, I could, I could describe anxiety in lots of different ways. Sometimes it's just a physical hormonal thing that comes up, you know, that I know for me, I got to get out and go for a run and get that energy out of my body. And that helps calm me down for the day. Mm -hmm. But there's also this other anxiety, like sitting across from my son when I'm getting all this negative energy that also translates probably what you were feeling with Marco Polo, where you go, I can't necessarily just run this out. Like I have to like set a boundary here with yeah. Marco Polo or with, you know, even my son and communicate something different and not abandon myself and push myself down as if like, I'm not going to pay attention to what's going on in my body. Right. Sometimes it's as simple as just hitting a pause button on the conversation and saying to your spouse, I am feeling really anxious right now. And I don't even know why mm -hmm. either I'm going to go for a walk or can we talk or whatever, but you have to listen to yourself and maybe it's a whole other conversation because today is not necessarily about health, but maybe we're careful with not, you know, abandoning yourself can also look like just numbing and escaping and just saying, you know what, I have all this pent up energy. I'm just going to drink it away tonight. Right. Um, or just drown myself in Netflix and not even process what it is that's going on in my body. Mm -hmm. Right. So, okay. So I think we've kind of definitely covered body. Um, we kind of also covered mind a little bit. Sarah, I would love for you to kind of unpack a little bit more of what you said a few minutes ago when you were like, I have to go through a process in my mind where I actually have to talk myself into a different place, that I have to be so self-aware that I have to shift my mind into thinking differently or reminding myself of what I was going to do or how I was going to approach the situation. Can you like, like unpack that just a little bit more? Because this is not something that we should be able to not all of us and not all the time, just snap our fingers and go, Oh, look at that. I, I you know, I'm back on course, right? Yeah. It takes internal work. So talk about that. Well, I think even speaking to like what you were saying as like a woman and kind of like the, the associations you pick up of like the body shaming or whatever in adolescence that no one necessarily directly taught you. No one said like, you're disgusting. Maybe they did, but even if they didn't, like somehow you kind of picked that lie up or you kind of picked it up. And so I feel like in what I was describing that thought process is I have been empathic all my life. Um, my family labeled it as sensitive. I was the sensitive one and the dramatic one, like, you know, mm -hmm. that's, and that's how it kind of got labeled. And so I was never taught how to, and rightfully so, like, I mean, again, we're in a whole new era of like mental health. I mean, I look back and I'm like, oh crap. Like I would have been on probably some medications if like, <laughs> if like people would have looked back and been like, well, that little girl is very anxious. Like you need to help her out. <laughs> you know, like, but it was just a different time, you know? And, and so when I started realizing, okay, some of these things are destructive when they are literally affecting my health or, you know, I spent a great deal of time, like I said, in denial of them. I don't even have that. I'm not anxious. I'm fine. And then realizing, okay, no, as much as I hate it, um, I do get stressed out. I don't want to, mm -hmm. how can I get better? And so, um, li listening to my husband has helped because his empath is like number 32, 33. So, I mean, a lot of times it's not about you that's on them. Like, you know, like just kind of like counseling me through Which that. Is helpful, isn't it? Yes. Like, yeah. I think, can we just pause there for a second? Because sometimes rewiring your brain, um, and your thought process requires listening to someone who does not think like you. Yes. And that's a gift, especially if you take it into like some of the, the situations that I was taking in where I only had my perspective. And so now there's this outside perspective going, that's not you. That's not your problem. Like, why are you taking that on? Like, I think maybe sometimes a lot of people can feel like, oh, you just don't understand or you're being dismissive. But in reality, it's actually offering a different perspective that could be healthy. Now, I will say in those same conversations, there are times when if I'm having difficulty navigating in the emotional aspect, um, sometimes it does feel like my husband is more like, just don't care. And I'm like, you don't realize, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to not care. Like my, my, um, my way to walk, my way to walk it out is to go, that's on them. That's on them. It's like a mantra. Like, you know, like I've done what I needed to do. This is, um, 
you know, you, I really want you to unpack this at some point because I heard you say it this way. And now I use it all the time of like managing others emotions. And that's Mm -hmm. really the language of like, it's not my job to, I don't know, really make anybody happy fix if they're Mm -hmm. angry. Now I can contribute to things to help them be successful. But like, even if we just take it to like a family dynamic of like vacation that you and I talked about, it's not my job to make sure everybody has a good vacation. <laughs> it's my job to make sure I do, <laughs> yes. which, like, which is like freeing because if we not, talked about that. Yes, absolutely. And it was completely freeing when I went with that perspective. If it, and it also went with that perspective of like, when my husband wanted to, to do something where well, I let him do it, it's his tag on vacation. Like, you know, but if yeah. my kids pouted about it, I don't care. You're on my vacation. Like, welcome to my life. Like now that sounds really harsh. I have to bolster myself up and be like, I don't care, whatever. Cause like deep down, I really do care. And I'm like, Oh, please be happy. Like, cause if my, my definition of a good vacation would be all of us linking arms, like, you know, skipping through daisies. And instead it's like one kid trailing way behind on a bike path, just pouting, like, you know, <laughs> Like you're ruining my vacation, but does it have to, you know? And so I have to really like prep myself for things. I have to go into battle. Like I'm going to stay in my lane because I want so easily to get out of my lane. So it's a lot of internal conversation. Guys. Okay. So I said in the first episode that Sarah is the yin to my yang. And this is why (laughs) you make me laugh and it's so good for me. And no, we did have a conversation about you, you were about to go on vacation. And it was like, how do I not go into this? Like, and I had just come back from a vacation mm-hmm. dealing with the same thing. And it was like, how do I not sabotage the experience for myself, you know, and abandon myself for the sake of other people? And I can't even control them. Yeah, it doesn't even right? work. <laughs> it does work. And I'm, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this. You know, we're going to do an episode on um, being less reactive and uh, making hard choices, you know. And so I think this managing of other people, is it's going to come up several times to so just prepare yourself to revisit that. Because I think reconnecting to ourselves requires us to let go of expectations for other people. Yeah. Like, I know I keep saying this and I'm I'm doing it on purpose, but... I think the process that I've been through in the last year, um, in order for me to create margin, in order for me to bring life-giving things into my life, I really had to start asking myself the question over and over and over again and several times during the day. And when my brother came for Thanksgiving, that's all he heard me talk about, which was like, what do you value? right now. Like, what do I, what am I valuing right now? My brother, when he came for Thanksgiving, they were trying to make some decisions about their business. I pulled out the big whiteboard and I'm like, we're going to talk about what you value, right? Because like anybody else, they're at a stage of their life where they're trying to figure out like, this is not a quality way of living. This way that I'm living doesn't feel like I'm I'm not happy, I'm overworked, I'm not reaching my goals. Like I just feel like it's just a, I'm on a rat wheel and and I'm going to either be thrown off or I'm going to have a heart attack. Like that's kind of where they were at and I was so asking the question, okay, whatever choice we make, it's not necessarily that it's the wrong choice. It's just going to say what we value. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, what do you value on this vacation? If you are putting all of your value into making sure everybody has a good time and you have no control over that, you're probably going to fail at that. Mm-hmm. And you are going to have a terrible time because you're unable to control it. And what you're really wanting is to have a good time yourself. And that is something that I can control. But the only way to do that is to do the heavy work in your brain of re- constantly reminding yourself. It's not like a before I get in the car, I'll make this decision. It's not going to come up again. It is moment to moment reminding yourself. I want to tend to my son, especially if they're small, right? I want to tend to what do you need in order to have a good time? But after we have that conversation, if you're still going to choose to pout, if you're still going to choose to have a terrible time, that's your choice. But I still have to make the internal choice of what will I do with that information and whether or not I'm going to choose to have a good time anyways. Mm -hmm. Because I can't, it was my aunt who said to me, Corey, you can't manage it into place. I loved that phrase because I was 
I, like all of, all of you listening, I, in my life, I was trying to figure out how do I manage this relationship into a place that I feel better, Yeah, right? Or manage the situation into the place where I feel better, right? The sooner that we let go of that and go, I have influence, mm-hmm. right? We're not, again, we're having a front porch conversation, going back to what Sarah said in the last episode. Our, our back behind us is what we value the most, and we've kind of staked claim. I'm using 1883 if you're not watched that show yet. You know, we're staking <laughs> in the ground, like, this is my property. This is what I value behind me, right? My home, my family. What does that mean? But I'm not disconnecting from the world that's in front of me either, right? And so it's it's realizing that we're sitting on that line and we're going, I, I can't manage the world into the place where I want it to be, but I do have influence. And so what I choose right now and what I, what I walk myself through internally will help me let go of the things that I cannot control and stake claim to the things that I can control and value myself in the process, value my children if I need to in that moment, value the vacation that I and my mood contributes to everyone else having a good time too, Mm -hmm. right? So abandoning yourself is not going to help the situation either. So I love that so much. Okay. So Sarah, um, you know, I don't know if we gave you guys practical things of like, I think it's just more about slowing down and giving yourself the time and the energy to go, Ooh, what is that feeling in my body? What is that lie that's being whispered in my ear? What or ruminating and looping in my mind? Like, what is that message that I'm believing? And, and can I pause and stop and actually walk that thought all the way through to a healthier place and then act from there? right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm body shaming myself, how do I go, you know what? That's not helpful, Corey. That is not going to help me get through the day and love myself. And um, it's not the messaging I want to hear all day. And it's not true. I have to believe it's not true. And so what will I do now? What will I do next? Well, if if let's say I'm body shaming myself and I'm like, you know what? 45 is no joke. I've got five <laughs> extra pounds that I'm not happy with. You know, if I don't do the proper thinking, then it's not going to be helpful if I just skip all of that hard work internally and then just go eat a donut. It's mm-hmm. not going to help me, right? So instead, it is like, all right, I know that's not true. I can love myself and be graceful where I'm at at this stage of my life. Where do I want to go? And that can be a healthy goal. And so now what will I do next? Mm-hmm. What will I feed myself next? And then what am I going to think about myself when I'm done at the end of that? And now tomorrow, what? Am I, can I capture that thought faster tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, we probably will run out of time here in just a minute, but let's talk about, um, how, and we won't spend a lot of time on this one because it kind of, again, like all these areas of our life kind of blur, but, um, there is our body, there is coming back to ourself and our mind and, and allowing ourselves to kind of sort through those thoughts. But there's also the spirit. And I think a lot of times we confuse and blur all of these things. And what's the difference between what's in our brain and what's in our spirit? And sometimes our spirit feels very much in our thoughts and in our emotions. Sometimes your spirit feels very much in your body, like sitting across from my son. It was my spirit I felt is what was affected. I mean, my body definitely felt it, but my spirit was really um, what I felt was being drained or kind of collecting that negative energy. And I'm, I'm not coming at this from a new agey perspective. It's just when you're an empath, that's what your body feels like something. It's not just your body that could, you know, collects this energy. It's just coming at you relationally, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, Sarah, kind of what comes to your mind when you think about like, reconnecting with your spirit. I would, some people call it your personality, your soul, your, who you are, um, honoring who you've been created to be. Um, and that's a big, heavy one, right? Like on one hand, we're talking about listening to your body and and doing something with pain and discomfort, but there's also your spirit when it longs for comfort, when it longs for peace. And how do you listen to that? I don't know if I could answer it fully. Um, because I think sometimes I still can get caught up, especially if I am in that entanglement, like the crisis mode of like, it's hard for me to separate them all. Um, and usually I try to draw back on experiences. And for me, I mean, if we're, when we talk spiritual, 
I have to give that part belongs to the one who created my spirit that, but that's where I anchor myself is in the Lord. Um, and it's where I have to find a line and I don't, I don't know if it could be like that restorative part of me because then I, so I, you know, I denied that I was an anxious person and I can get really mad because I don't, who wants to be anxious? Like, okay, who mm-hmm. wants to be Monica? Everybody wants to be Rachel. I am Monica. Like, you know, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. I have to admit it and I kind of hate it because it's like, no, I want to be Rachel. Like, you know, like, it's like but you're not Rachel. And the, the gifts that God has given me that allow me to serve others well, also can be things that put limitations on me. I can't be a perfect person. So I can get angry at like the fact that I get anxious or that, you know, I can't handle things as well as my husband or however I, you know, but I don't know. I just feel like I have to, I just go to God for that. And I go back to what he says and that he creates and that there is a part, there's a certain respect aspect to that of like, I can't, um, who am I to question why I, I don't know, to question why I was created a certain way or to see that I was never meant to embody everything that, um, I am only a piece of a picture and, to be content with that piece. And mm-hmm. all of those things are like high level things that take a lot of work and a lot of struggle and a lot of not handling it well, you know? Um, I don't no, know. I love that. No, I love that. Cause I mean, it is a lot of the reason why I love strength so much is because you really get to see from a positive perspective, what you're created to do really well. And even though it can trip us up sometimes, because I always say they're like our superpowers and sometimes our powers are running us instead of us running them in, in going back to that conversation with my son, if I would have just absorbed it all. And then, um, or reacted and pushed back towards him, you know, why are you being so negative? That's a good example of the gifts that I have to be an empath um, running me instead of me doing the hard work to go, no, this is, I need to somehow allow for both things to happen, Mm -hmm. right? And so I love that strengths help us embrace who we are, what we're created to do really well. We have to develop some self-control in them and we have to learn how to refine them and um, and where to use them and where not to use them and when to use them. Um, but what I, it reminds me, what you said reminds me of when I first started my career, I was working with women out of prison and and they were all um, rehabbing off of drugs. And so I had to get very good at doing the 12 steps and leading them through the 12 steps um, in our sessions together. And it was such a formative experience for me because regardless of what faith tradition someone was coming from or no tradition at all, we would always find ourselves on, it's been a long time, I think it's step three, where you have to acknowledge a higher power. And, you know, step one is embracing um, that breaking the denial, right? That I'm a Monica, right? I'm a Monica. And when, and left to my own devices, I mess things up. Mm-hmm. Like that's step one, you know, step two, and I'm, y'all are going to like crucify me probably for not remembering all the steps at this point. But I want to step, I think step two was being able to acknowledge that when we try to do things by ourselves, it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like step, step one is acknowledging I have a problem. Step two, I think is acknowledging I can't do it by myself. And step three, that's why there's steps, right. Is realizing you've got to get outside of yourself because if you do, and I loved the form, the formation in me was so surprising and wonderful during those four years that I had to go through this process with them again and again and again, that I was starting to be rewired and realizing I took a lot of my faith tradition for granted. I brought was brought up in the church and it was like, like we were laughing at before. It was like, praise the Lord. You know, like <laughs> it just can roll off the tongue so easily. But you know, when you have been through significant hardship and you're just rock bottom on the floor, and and I'll be honest, in my adulthood in the past couple of years, I have felt rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I'm trying to do it by myself with Matt deployed and the Texas ice storm and crazy people on my doorstep, like 
I was not doing well by myself. Yeah. Like, and I was really hitting the limit of my ability, like Mm -hmm. limit of my mind, limit of my, my spirit and controlling my anxiety, limit of my knowledge and parenting, (laughs) limiting coping skill. You know, I was really hitting my limits, you know, and it's that, Step three in your spirit that goes, there's something outside of you or you're a God, you're a soul, you're a personality, you're a person, you're human, whatever you want to like, however you want to define this today. Um, But you're not a God, you're a soul, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And so a soul needs something outside of themselves or they see themselves as God. Mm -hmm. And so that step three was an acknowledgement that when I try to do it by myself, I, I'm not going to succeed. I'm only going to get so far. And so on one hand, returning back to ourselves is not turning ourselves into a God and saying, I'm going to make it all about me mm-hmm. and let everybody revolve around me and worship me, right? right? Instead, it is about coming back to ourselves to go, I matter. I have value. I'm a soul. Like if we can have empathy for a child in Africa that is longing for their bowl of rice that's next, right? The next meal that they're going to have. Um, they deserve that meal simply because they exist, because they are a soul mm-hmm. that is worthy of food and nourishment. Like they don't have to do anything to earn that. They have value because they are a soul. Mm-hmm. They're not even just a body. They're a soul, right? And so because they are a soul, they have value. And so they are valuable enough to give them food, mm-hmm. right? And so coming back to you is seeing yourself as value valuable simply because you exist. You have a soul, you have a body that deserves nourishment. And sometimes in order to repair that we've got to remember that we are not a God and we need to reach outside of ourselves for support. And what you're saying, Sarah, is I, I have to take sometimes that anxiety to God Mm -hmm. and God brings me a sense of peace or, you know, in a, in a secular way, I could say going for that run is reaching outside of myself and saying, I need to the internal thinking is not doing anything. I've got to like go out and do something in order to develop the self-control inside of myself, going to therapy, going, you know, I even had somebody I was helping that literally they were not in a place where they were ready to turn to any kind of spiritual entity, any kind of God. And so they made the moon. They're like, they made the moon. They're a thing outside of themselves. And, And really it was just about going outside at night and acknowledging that something outside of you exists. Like just start there. And there were other people that said, I'm not ready to turn to God yet either. And so community and others are going to be the thing outside of myself that I turn to for that next step of just going, I'm anxious. I am in need of some kind of nourishment in my soul. Maybe that looks like connection or coffee in person with somebody. Or like Sarah, you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about like, man, I think what we're lacking right now is just like being around, not just being around people, but doing life with people and seeing people grow and change and their stories evolved and being a part of that story. That's what we were missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And it's true. I just think of like, you know, for me, it was last year with... I am someone who will put my nose to the grindstone and be like, okay, fine. I will drink a drink. Like I will do everything. And, you know, ultimately there was a time where that, so I did the drink and I had like three weeks. You're talking about the digestive drink. Yeah. I always call it the drink, but it's not like, you know, (laughs) she's on the bottle or whatever. Like it's like (laughs) the digestive drink. Let me clarify that. Um, and it worked for, um, I remember it was, it was right around this time that I was on it. And, um, it it was the week before my birthday. And so I was my first day eating real food and we just drove around and we just marveled at like how long I could sit in a car with jeans on and just all these things. It was so great. And it all came crashing down. Like by April 4th, I think it was like, I had to completely relapse and, um, realizing that like, there's, 
I, I think what you said, like just coming to a place of like, what does that look like when, um, this is my limitation. I've done all I can do. Like, I can't change the fact that I'm empathic. I can manage it. I can be aware of it. I can't change it. I can't change the fact that my digestive system is broken. No one can help me. Like, and that is really what I was saying at that time all the time. And like despair of like, no one can help me. No one, everyone looks at me like, well, we could try this. We could try that. So it's like, do you want to be a Guinea pig? It's not, it's not so much of, we have an answer. It's would you like to still be a Guinea pig? And I was done being a Guinea pig and I had to go to God and, and resolve that who I was or what I was or the limitations of my body, um, weren't for me to decide. What was I asking? What am I expecting? Am I expecting to be well my entire life? Is that Mm. real? You know what I mean? Like, and again, it's just questions I had to ask. How am I acting? I'm acting like I expect to still have my body at 20. Mm -hmm. I'm acting like I should be able to get to eat whatever I want. And I'm letting Mm -hmm. everybody else that's sitting at restaurants tell me that they have a perfect life because they can, which is a lie. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm like, so deranged in my thinking that I, all I see is everybody able to do something I can't, but what Mm -hmm. am I really saying? Like, you know, what, what is my expectation? I didn't make my body, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. I can do good things that I know are good for it, but I'm not ultimately in control and I can, I can do th- good things that are good for my like em- empathy and boundaries and all those things to learn how to use them well. And I think that that's being a good steward of what's been given to me, mm-hmm. but I can't change the fact that I'm empathic though. Sometimes I wish I could, you know, yeah. but that's my limitation. <laughs> And, and yet, right. It's also about how do I then, um, honor that about myself, ask for help where I need to. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and it definitely resonates with me and where I'm at. Right. And so I know everybody listening might be at all these different places, you know, and that's why this season is all about reconnecting in so many different ways. And so I think my question to everybody is just to, to ask yourself right now, like, where are you on the road to reconnecting back with yourself? Like, have you abandoned yourself physically um, for a long time? And have you stopped honoring that your body is wonderful and it's valuable and it's worthy of investment, whether it's the nourishment of food or if it's the nourishment of the right kind of food? Is it that you haven't given yourself the time to make it strong? Have you, have you abandoned in your mind, the, like have you replaced the truth with lies like I'm just too old or I'm just too unhealthy, like I can't start exercising now, like I can't, I don't have enough time. Like all of those are lies, mm-hmm. like going about it needs to be really unique to you and to your situation, but you have value. Your body has value. Your mind has value. Your soul has value. And all of it is worthy of reconnecting to that and being self-aware, like Sarah said at the beginning of this conversation, enough to like pause and ask yourself, what do I need? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I need? Mind, body, spirit, community-wide, like what does my soul need? And do you then, it's kind of like my conversation with my brother, like what do you value? If you do that evaluation and you realize I've not been valuing myself in the equation, again, we're on the front porch. We're not going off the grid completely and isolating ourselves and making, right? Like, but have you been valuing yourself and being willing to invest in yourself? And if not, where do you need to put that investment? Where can you start repairing or restoring your soul? Where can you start repairing and restoring your body? The last two years in particular has wreaked havoc on all of us. Like I still have a cough from COVID, right? Like it's still there. And I I mean, who knows if it's even allergies. Apparently there's cedar in Texas. I don't know, but I'm going to call it COVID, long COVID. Now we're freaking out, right? (laughs) But like all of us have something that we can come back to ourselves, reconnect with that, call it valuable and do something different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's that small step of like the brushstroke, right? Cause if you are talking about health and you're like, I can't, I don't have time to run a marathon. You're right. You, maybe you don't, but do you have five minutes yeah. to stretch? What are your goals? Yeah. You know, I was just working out this morning, 
this is going to be kind of funny. And they had me in like that stretch where like, the, like you're on all fours and my shirt was bagging. I happened to catch a glance of like my mommy papoose. Like that happens. Like when you hit like, Oh, there it is. There's that little home. And I thought to myself too, mine, because of the digestive issues and stuff, it's like all that skin is just so stretched and, and tattered. And I thought, even if I get to where I want with like health goals of being just physically stronger, will I always have that kind of tattered stomach or when I'm on all fours, will it always kind of like shake in the breeze? And I thought, you know what? <laughs> Like, you know, there's a lie. There's a shame of like, you know, you got to have the six pack abs and like, oh, we will praise you if you are JLo and have the six pack abs. Like Mm -hmm. you have arrived. And I thought, you know what, if in getting stronger, which is what my goal is not to get rid of the swing and, but I still have it. I'm like, my body tells a story and I want Mm -hmm. to embrace that that like that little slappy papoose is like, says that I bore children and that I was sick for 10 years. And that Mm -hmm. is something to remember. Like that's a, you know, like honoring scars almost, you know, like taking them along with you, my hips, my legs, my arms, they can all be stronger. My core can be stronger, but that little flabby skin is still there. It tells the story. And so if our goals just become so far out, then I think we get, I get paralyzed. If my goal is like to be JLo, well, then I'm just going to eat a donut because <laughs> I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> like, you know, so. I think it's like my goal is the investment in myself is that I stretch for five minutes that I felt that, that I felt that my hip was kind of sore. And so I looked up some stretches for my hip. That's it. Like, Mm. congratulations. You did something, you know, it starts with that brush stroke. Yes. That's what I was going to go back to, but go ahead and say it. Oh no. It just starts with that brush stroke. It's just that first stroke, you know, what can build from that. And I just wanted to say too, I think like when you do look at a practical aspect, since we all can be all over the map with it, I think the five minute check-in is a good place to start in particular with the self. Cause that is kind of what it's bringing is a self-awareness. It's helping lead you through those questions and pick apart the feelings and the emotions and whatever you may be. So if you're sitting here listening, like, Oh, like physically I have just given up or I have just resigned myself to this is middle age or this is whatever. And, um, that, you know, you can start walking yourself, well, what am I feeling? Or even use it. Like, what what am I feeling in my body? What's one thing that I'm feeling? One thing I can work on. Maybe I'll just have nice arms, like just start Mm -hmm. small and like, but simply start kind of like what you were saying at the end of last season It's just simply start with something, listen, ask those questions, you know, even in the deeper spiritual ones, that deep question was, what am I, what are my expectations? Is my expectation that I will always be optimal health until the day I die? I'm just going to lay down and close my eyes. Am I really seeing that play out anywhere else? You know, but that helped answer a deeper spiritual thing for me, but it was the question, you know? Well, and, and also I'm going back to the circle, going back to that. Um, and so, um, that's on the album cover it's embracing that imperfection along the way, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's just saying, I'm going to do the best that I can today and not expect perfection and to get it right every time. But you're right. If we can just get started with coming, not abandoning ourselves, coming back to ourselves, finding value there. And then, um, and this is for men and women. It was the conversation I had with Matt yesterday. It was like, you know, we were talking about the pottery wheel. It was like, you know, even this career, even parenting, even like whatever you want to fill in the blank is, is not worth exhausting yourself for a finish line that when you get there, retirement, kids go off to college, whatever that finish line looks like, that you're sitting there going, I have nothing. Like, I don't even know who I am. Like, we've got to start coming back to ourselves. And, and whether you are a spouse of a service spouse listening to this, this is the way that we speak life into our marriage too, by the way, is like, do the hard work for you, but also be that life-giving spouse or to your kids even to go, I see you working really hard and I'm proud of you for working really hard. And, and work ethic means a lot, right? Like work ethic, I think is crucial to healthy relationships. However, can, can we identify like what's life giving to your soul and do you honor yourself enough to put yourself into the equation and do a good checkup on that? So Sarah, thank you for, um, joining me. I'm already having a blasty blast in season seven, and I'm so excited about so many things um, that we're going to cover. Um, 
this season. So I, I hope we gave so many challenges in this episode. So I hope that you stop and think and you make one step. Um, we are off social media technically. So um, reach out in email. Um, if you get the newsletter, you can always reply to that newsletter. It comes back in an email. Tell us what your thoughts are. Tell us what you are doing to reconnect in whatever area that you want to reconnect with. So you can find me on email, Corey at CoreyWeathers.com, or you can reply to those emails, um, but reach out to us, hopefully other than social media. That's how we're creating margin and uh, we're encouraging you to think about where you can create um, that white space too. So thank you for having a great front porch conversation with me, Sarah. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Life Gear podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review or share it with other service families you know. If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org for tons of content and resources. Don't forget, we are taking a break from social media and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well.